Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I want to thank Father Jonathan and Shay for bringing Arkansas humidity back to uh, West Texas with, with you. That was impressive. Uh, today we're going to baptize two children, Holland Quinn and Hayes Lewis Stillwell, and they will be baptized into the body of Christ, the family of God, and will begin their journey with the help of their parents and godparents to grow into the full stature of Christ and to embrace in due time their own proclamation of faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, this is a great moment for these children, for this family, and for our church family whenever this happens. And so we're delighted to be able to share in this with you. Uh, today is uh, July the 4th also, and it is that day when we celebrate the freedom that our forebearers won for themselves and that they have passed on to us. And it is ours to have if we will value it and defend it and keep it from the dissolution that is attacking it on all sides. <clears throat> the Old Testament example of Samson, who by his choices lost his own freedom, is a strong lesson for our nation and for us as well. Samson had a fantastic future. He was born to be a Nazarite, and this scripture tells us that this means, according to Numbers chapter 6, that he was set apart for God as a sign of that. He never cut his hair. Uh, he was never to touch a dead body, and he never was to drink wine, which cuts out the yayas from ever being Nazarites. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, the never cutting his hair set him apart from other men. Uh, not touching a dead body suggested he was uniquely alive. And the prohibition against strong drink meant that Samson was to find no other stimulus but God in life. He had fantastic expectations spiritually, and he grew up to be a pretty big boy. And physically, uh, he was very strong as well. And it appeared that Samson could do anything. And when God came upon him, uh, the Jews just knew that miracles were going to happen. Great things were going to happen. Now, Samson was one of the judges of Israel. Uh, this was that period of time before the kings uh, that you read about in the book of Judges where God would raise up judges as Israel needed a leader. And the expectation was that when he had come of age, he was going to deliver his people, but sadly, his life fell apart. It began when he pursued a Philistine wife despite his parents' objections, which tells you Parents, that you still have some things you can teach your children if they will only listen. Uh, his parents tried to tell him that's not a good choice. <laughs> but he also made the mistake of having friends who led a dissolute life. He used his powers selfishly, capriciously, and wastefully. He believed in himself. He didn't believe in God. And then there was his liaison with Delilah. And talk about a bad choice for a partner. She tried to get him killed three times, and then he still trusted valuable information to her. 
In all of Samson's behavior, there came a point where Samson had turned from God so completely that God chose to let Samson experience the consequences of his choices. Judges 16.20, and Delilah said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He had become desensitized to his spiritual situation. His perception was gone. His great potential was left unfulfilled. And this sad account continues. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. Life had caved in for him. It was tragic. He was to be the liberator of his people and instead he had fallen into slavery. He had taken his gifts for granted. He had begun to see himself as the source of his strength. And he could not have gone any lower. Samson was meant to be a deliverer and was gifted by God to be so. But instead he neglected God and became a slave. These are valuable lessons for our nation. And for us as well. When we neglect God, we're going to fall into trouble every time. In today's gospel, we discover what lies behind slavery, but even better, the prescription and motivation for freedom. Our Lord was locked in a confrontation in this, today's reading with the religious authorities. He had proclaimed that he is the light of the world, implying his opponents were in darkness. He had also warned the Jews they were in danger of the fires of hell because they were from below and he was from above. These two realms don't mix. And as they were reeling from his assault, he carried the argument even further and suggested that they might actually be in bondage. They might be slaves. He said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And the Jews completely missed his point because they thought he was talking about physical matters when he was talking about spiritual matters. That's why they say to him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answers, most assuredly, I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now, 2,000 years have passed, but confusion about spiritual slavery still is about the same level that it's always been. People do not accept the truth of their condition. If we suggest to someone that he is in bondage, he will resist the idea normally. The more enslaved he is, the more he may resent being told the truth about his enslavement. Think about a practicing alcoholic. Me an alcoholic? No, not me. I can stop anytime I want. So where did you hide that bottle? People don't like to be told they are enslaved. They are easily desensitized to their true condition. If you place a frog in a pot of water and heat it gradually, the frog will be boiled alive without resisting. The application is obvious. Not only is it to our nation that it's obvious. I actually have a dear friend who lives in Portland, Oregon, who said to me the other day, oh, it's just a couple of blocks downtown that Antifa's rioting in and holding, destroying. You know? And I thought to myself, 
20 years ago, would anybody have accepted, oh, it's just a couple of blocks that are being destroyed. (laughs) He's boiling in water and doesn't even know it. We do the same thing in our own lives when we turn from God and we start choosing sin over God. And the water gets a little hotter and a little hotter and a little hotter. And we just don't know it. We're blind to it. This is what happened with Samson. He was so insensible that even after God had mightily used him, after God helped him defeat a thousand Philistines, marvelously hollowed out a place in the rock and provided water for him, Samson consorted with a prostitute. How do I thank God? I go sin some more. (laughs) He did not understand his powers could be taken away. And amazingly, after three attempts by Delilah on his life, Samson told her the secret of his power. This is how insensible he had become. Now, Samson probably imagined he was the freest of men. Yet, he was the greatest slave. You know, Ernest Hemingway, there was an article written about him, I think it was in the New Yorker, uh, right before he committed suicide, that praised him for his libertine life and for the ways that he had chosen to live and how wonderful it, uh, it was to see him living that way. And then it wasn't six months later he committed suicide because it had taken him away from life and taken him into death. Some of us may imagine we're on the verge of obtaining freedom as we begin to depart from God's word and go our own way. But what Jesus is telling us today is there is no freedom without obedience to him. There is no freedom without obedience to God's word. In reality, we're about to enter the greatest bondage we've ever known when we turn away from God. In such a state, we resent any suggestion from family or acquaintances that something could be wrong in our lives. But we need to wake up and realize the path to freedom lies in obeying God's word. Jesus said in John 8, 31 through 32, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Abiding begins with knowing God's word, studying God's word. Don't ever assume you're going to know it all. Goodness, that's a big book, you know. There's a lot of words in there. But begin to know God's word. That's the first step. Because really there's so much, so many Bibles in the world and so much ignorance about what's in those Bibles. This is something we have to uh, at least personally begin to address for our own sakes. Uh, That is the first step in abiding in the word of God is to know the word of God. And then Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We need to know. Paul tells the Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We need to know. And then he tells Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to know God's word. And we all need to know the word of God and we must be students of the word. And yet, even if that takes place, we're not necessarily abiding. To abide in the word means we also obey it. 
See, Christianity is much more than an intellectual assent to a couple of ideas. Oh, Jesus is Lord. Oh, God's word is true. Uh, It's Jesus is Lord and I follow him. God's word is true and I obey it. To abide in the word, to abide in the word, we must obey it. And that's how freedom comes. We learn the word of God. We obey the word of God. And then we experience a little freedom. So we go dig into the word of God more. And we obey that. And we experience more freedom. Until we are beginning to be in this wonderful life and dialogue with God himself. The reason many Christians are not experiencing spiritual freedom today the freedom that Christ promises us is because we're not abiding in God's word. Either we're not reading it and knowing it, or we're not being obedient. If you are biblically literate, if you read the Bible a lot, but you still feel bound, it's perhaps it's because you're not obeying the word of God. You see, One of two words will describe us. We are either bound or we are free. Those are our two options. There's not a free with Christ over here and then this nice big area right here and then bound with the devil over here where we can sit in this middle area and live there until, oh, a few years before I get old and die and then I'll decide where I'm going to go. Okay. There is no middle area. As as C.S. Lewis said, St. C.S. Lewis, as he said, there's no neutral territory. There is only Christ and his enemies. And we're either with one or we're with the other. There's no me space in this world. There's me in Christ's space, and there's me serving his enemy's space. But there's no neutral Henry space or neutral anybody's space. So to be free, you got two options. One, you reject freedom and fraternize with the enemy. Or two, you obey Christ and know his word. Now, The initial deliverance for all of us comes from acknowledging our bondage and the power of Christ to deliver us and from personally receiving Christ in faith and repentance. But as we talked about, others of us may find that even though we've been liberated, in theory, the word bondage best describes where we are. And that's because we return to the old ways that we had the old ways of doing things, basically operating in the flesh. And we are anesthetized to God. His power is gone from us, just like with Samson. But just like Samson, what we need to do is repent, turn to God and ask him for help. You know, Samson in the last moment of his life, as we read, despite all his dissipation, returned to God in faith. And it's by faith that we are enabled to turn back to God and become people of his word. Are you abiding in the word? Are you feeding yourself on it? Do you look forward to spending time with God? Not for any purpose other than just to spend time with your Lord. Everything else comes from that. Are you obeying the word? 
When you see Jesus tells us to do something, do you do that? See, these are questions of freedom, of liberation. There's no such thing as, oh, I'm free, but oh gosh, Jesus put these requirements on me. Yeah, I'm sorry, it is time. <laughs> There's such thing as I'm free, but Jesus put these requirements on me. So, oh gosh, he's such a bummer, you know, because there was no freedom without Christ. Christ is the reason you can be free. And so remember that there's no in-between between God and evil. We are either obeying God and discovering the fullness of the freedom he offers, or we are cavorting with evil and becoming more and more boiled with the frog in that pot. So, brothers and sisters, on this day when we celebrate freedom, let me urge you to choose this day whom you will serve. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.